Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Brand new advertiser guys, Rex Specs. We love them. They believe that any adventure worker play is better with a dog by your side to keep them protected with you no matter what. Rex Specs designs and manufactures performance-driven dog gear for the active and working dog. 20% off your first order. Discount code Working Dog Radio. All right, everybody, we are back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. Coming to you live. No, just kidding. We're not live. Um, <laughs> coming to you. Uh, we'll, we'll get into this, but this is our second attempt at this episode. Um, m- my name is Eric Stambro from Ohio, Canton, Ohio. And with us as always is Ted Summers, sporting the red ninja hat from Tulsa, Oklahoma. What's uh, yeah. going on there? Uh, it's still hot, like super hot, but, uh, it looks like we're about to cool off. I finally got home. Uh, last time I saw you, we were in uh, Phoenix at hits mm-hmm. and, uh, we did a, several episodes out there. I don't know when it's going to come out relative to this one. Uh, and then after that, I went and did a trial for a PSA in, uh, Hollister, California. And then I had an HRD with Santa Clara County Sheriff's office in, uh, San Jose, um with uh quite a few good i think we had like 15 teams there really nice dogs uh some new dogs new handlers and, and, but yeah and then i finally made it home and back to <laughs> training green dogs so uh, i got a handler stool starting at the end of the month and uh while i was gone alicia went and bought us a mercedes sprinter van for the kennel so uh, that. yeah it's nice it's cool it's actually really cool what are you up to well yeah we had hits um See when this episode comes out, this one will come out right before all the hits episodes. So st- we uh, recorded, I don't know, six or seven of them. We'll be putting those out for a little while. Um, but yeah, we had good turnout in our classes. We, there was a good turnout overall in hits. It was fun. Um, yeah, for sure. Ted and I, the morning he had to teach, Ted and I walked. Uh, I don't know. You think it was a half mile, maybe? Um, to yeah, the, it was to the bagel place, to the bagel shop. We came back. It was seven in the morning. It was 105. So we came it was, back. It was I had rough. A shower again, a second shower. <laughs> I just took one at 6am. It was rough. <laughs> and Ted had to go straight to teaching. Uh, it was hot. Like one yeah. of the guys melted his sandals. Yeah. Yeah. So that was interesting. Um, and then I, uh, so this week I was in, uh, um, Connecticut with our friend Todd Mona and his crew over there second year in a row for the, uh, the, the, the big event there is called the dream ride. It's dude, it is a, the hometown foundation is this massive charity that, um, does this thing called the dream ride where they bring some of the nicest cars you've ever seen old, new, you know, McLarens, Lamborghinis. I saw that. Yeah. Old cars. And it's a huge ride for special Olympics. And uh, there were 600 Special Olympic athletes that were there to ride in the car. So, I mean, it's a 11 or 12-mile loop that out, it took all day on Saturday. But what that has to do with dogs is um, years ago, Todd and his people were at a Cabela's doing a dog demo. And I think the guy who runs the who runs hometown, his wife maybe was there and really was intrigued by the dogs. And then they came there and did a demo. And then now it turns out they, uh, support them. They help, uh, they'll donate dogs to them. They've donated gear, uh, car equipment, all kinds of things like that over the years. And then Todd and his group do a huge, uh, do a, so Friday we did a class. I taught, uh, my 
removing conflict. Todd taught some um, tracking stuff. Nick Hodgins was there doing decoy work. Um, Mike Garber was there. He did uh, raising money, you know, fundraising because Mike, Mike and his, his guy, Steve, there's only two of them in there in their department and they have like a lot of money that they've raised. So they're really good at that. He taught that at blue line a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, so then we, we do the class and then, uh, Saturday's a huge competition, big canine competition. It's fun. It's, it's so I'm there Thursday, Friday. It's nice. It's cool. It's kind of rainy and shitty Saturday, 87 baking sun. Yeah. Of course. I said, you ever want to end a, a like a <laughs> surge of rain? Have the um, Connecticut Canine Competition. It'll all of a sudden <laughs> the sun will come out and bring out all the McLarens and Ferraris. And yeah, that'll do it. So uh, I judged some of that. Um, Todd did. Mike did. A couple other guys judged some of that stuff. Um, Brian Gagey's there. He's been on the podcast. He he comes. He was judging some stuff. So it's a good time. Oh, nice. Good dogs. Good guys. I, a lot of them were there last year for my class. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Uh, but last year I only did tone avoidance. I didn't teach the whole, all the conflict stuff. So right. it was good. So tonight, um, attempt number two. So uh, a little while ago, I was down in North Carolina visiting our friend Scott at Next Level Kennels. And I was doing some training there. And he goes, dude, you got to hear this story from this right. local canine guy. And the guy, he got shot with like AK-47. His dog got shot a bunch of times. And um, if you go through our social media on Working Dog Radio, you'll see pictures of a um, American aluminum kennel from back inside a car, bullet holes all through it and everything. That's this incident. And it's sad because none of us had heard of it, like nobody. And, and Scott's like, yeah, it's, it was just all really localized and nobody really heard of it. So he goes, you want to meet the guy? And I said, well, hell yeah. So we met over at Scott's doggy daycare and uh, Corporal Allen came from Oxford, North Carolina. We sat down and talked a little bit and what a good dude, man. So we're going to have him on um, and talk a little bit, tell his story. It's it's wild. His, his story is crazy. But last time we tried this, apparently in Oxford, North Carolina, Wi-Fi hasn't been invented. Um, <laughs> you know, you, those, those dudes sending video from inside caves in Afghanistan, and we couldn't make this happen the first go around. So you guys yeah. need to get in touch with Papa Elon and get us fucking startling. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> not a thing, not a thing. <laughs> so, with us on better Wi-Fi from a relative's house is our buddy Corporal Daniel Allen. What's up, bud? What's going on, man? It's a pleasure to be here, man. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who, if this makes sense, so in his cruiser, they have this MiFi. That we used to have that in Canton for a little bit. Those stupid little blocks, <laughs> MiFi. They don't work for shit. And that's what we were trying to use. I'm like, what fucking year is it, man? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. thanks for getting with us again. I appreciate it. Oh, it's, it's definitely a pleasure to be on here with you guys, man. So let's um, talk about this first segment. We like to talk about like where you're from, where you grew up, uh, what your history of dogs is like, and then how you got into police work. Um, well, I'm from uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. Um, then I moved down here um, after I was born, like six months old, I think probably a week later. 
um, my grandmother and my grandfather, we came down here. Um, my mother really was unable to pretty much take care of me because I got five sisters and three brothers. So it was kind of rough. Yeah. And, and I'm the oldest. So <laughs> it was kind of rough. And uh, my grandmother and grandfather, they took custody of me and uh, moved me down here to Oxford. I stayed down here for maybe about until I was maybe about nine or ten. Um, once I hit that age, I went up to my grandmother got too old and my grandfather, they got too old to take care of me. So my, um, uncle, he took custody of me and I went up there back to Jersey city and, um, been living up there ever since. And I came down here, um, when I was 28, I believe. One of my favorite memes on the internet is a picture of this couple and they've got like nine or 10 kids. And it Oof. says it's called a uterus, not a clown car. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so when you went, when you moved down there, you went by yourself, uh, the kids, the other kids stayed up here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they're like scattered. They got older and, um, I have two up here, my two sisters and my youngest brother is up here at actually, well, it's down here actually. Um, one of my sisters is in, uh, Florida. The other one is moving up here, moving um down here. And my second oldest brother, he is in um back up in Jersey City. So when you're down here with the grandparents, were you a hellion or were you deep, you know, basic little kid? Uh yeah. I mean, um oh man, I, I in my youth, uh I got kinda I was in trouble a lot, man. I had to go to an alternative school. Um I, I every time like we would go to church, like I would punch holes in the wall um, because I'd be fighting my cousin, like pushing him. And he mm -hmm. was kind of chunky. So I used to always say fat boy, fat boy, <laughs> and like push him into the wall. And then if, if he got in trouble, his his father was the pastor. So oh. it kind of made it rough. But it was my whole family's church. So they kind of got to my grandmother was like, hey, man, we we sitting here praying at the altar and he in the back punching holes in the wall or stealing the crackers for communion and stuff. You know what I mean? So, you know, I was kind of I was kind of out of hand. But they after I got to the alternative school and um, graduated out of that, um, I kind of slowed down a little bit. That's tough for older folks to raise a uh, a kid, you know, yes, a little yes. kid. That's that's tough. Uh, yes. I give them. I give him a lot of credit. So absolutely. So you you go back up when you're like ten. Mm -hmm. What's uh What's the rest of like that like up there? Jersey City is so ungodly different than Oxford, North yeah. Carolina. Yeah, it's 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 a big difference. Um, I mean, you got you got certain areas where they actually shoot at the cops. You know what I mean? Um, and, and just kind of like have no care. I mean, I grew up not rough, but um. I grew up in like a in a good area. My grand my, my um uncle and them, they always made sure, you know, I stayed out of trouble when I got like to, you know, that middle school and um high school and everything, just because after a certain time it was like, well, I realized that I wanted to become a police officer. So, um once I kind of got everything together and uh, like realized like, hey, I can't be doing all of this stuff, you know, because this is what I want to do. And I started looking up the background of how to become a police officer, you know, if I needed a degree in certain aspects and different things like that. And, um, and I basically tried to become a cop up there in my early, you know, early stages. What triggered that? What, what triggered that idea to become a cop? Um, honestly, when when I was younger, I, I kind of forgot all about it because I kind of wanted to, 
either play basketball or football or something like that. But um, as I got older um, and they told me the story of how I um, kind of got into my grandmother's custody is what kind of led me to that. Um, and my, my, my mother actually sat me down before she passed away and told me, um, along with my aunts and everybody, they told me that um, pretty much when I was younger, when I was born, matter of fact, my grandmother, who I don't, I think she passed away. I don't really keep in contact with her, but um, she actually took me from my mother and put me on a dumpster um, and actually tried to kind of throw me away. But a police officer was driving by my, they, they seen the commotion and everything. And he saw me on a dumpster and he was raped. Probably, I want to say not even, not even 30 seconds in front of the trash truck. And I was actually not even on, on top of the dumpster, but I was actually in the dumpster. So he came up there and got me and um, they told me that story. And I'm just like, well, how can this random guy who doesn't even know me just kind of pick me up and just hold me until like everything kind of kind of dims down. And he gets, you know, both sides of the story and what's going on um, and keep me from actually getting taken away from my mother. So once I like kind of realized that it was just like, man, like this is one person that I want to be like, you know, and this this is one field that I want to get into. So. I made up my mind in my uh, teenage years. I was like, man, look, I can't be selling drugs or, you know, all this other stuff. So I'm going, you know, take this path. And here I am. That's crazy. That's an amazing story. Like, yeah, like really cool. And yeah, there, I can imagine Jersey City. They're coming at you at all sides. The yeah. gang guys, the yes. dope boys, all yes. that Absolutely. nonstop. It sounds to me like uh, you had a huge family to bounce stuff off of and yes. help out and things like that aunts and uncles and all that yeah. that's awesome man i did i when i uh when i was growing up all of my aunts and uncles lived elsewhere like in florida so we didn't have that big huge base family what about you ted uh i have uh two uncles one on each side and one um i don't ever think lived in the united states full-time in fact he just retired and moved to i don't know like central or south america he lives Paraguay or some uh, shit. yeah he's out yeah. in the middle of nowhere uh and then my other uncle was a radiologist and has now retired that's it i didn't have a big family and uh they were like around like i saw both of them quite a bit but um yeah i didn't i don't have a big family like all both my grandparents are gone now both sets of grandparents and so um i did have a mean ass great grandmother though <laughs> that sounds a lot like uh your grandmother and when i would act up she would whoop my she was mean as shit yeah she was born in oklahoma before it was a state <laughs> yeah yeah she'd get all drunk at hockey games and throw beer bottles and shit it's like she was yeah that's where i get it i guess i don't know yeah. jesus <laughs> she hanging out on the wagon wheel she had a wagon wheel with spinners on it probably that wouldn't surprise me oh man so you're trying so when you first start trying and i get it because i i tried for a long time you go to excuse me you test at these places and there's a lot of people yes shit now dude they would be throwing you sign on bonus to get right. to get you there right but oh. it's tough to get hired there what um did you anybody else in your family in law enforcement? Um, yes. Uh, my my cousin was he retired in Roxborough, North Carolina, as a sergeant. Um, all growing up, you know, whenever I came down to visit, I would you know kind of pick his brain and everything. Um, my uncle, who's up there, he retired in Jersey City. Matter of fact, 
Um, I don't remember his rank, but he's retired. I think it's been two or three years. Um, I used to always kind of, every time he came to like the family reunion I, and I knew he had like a something on his hip, I used to always want, you know, wonder like, what is that? What is that? And I try to grab it and pull it. He like, don't pull <laughs> on that. Don't pull on that. That's not good for you. You know what I mean? So I just asked him like, what is that? You know, why do you have it? And he would explain to me, you know, I'm a police officer. This is what I do. You know, all of this stuff. And, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, uh, majority of officers, they carry concealed or, you know, wherever if they're going to a different state, you know, they carry a gun. So, you know, he explained all of that to me. And um, that kind of made me pursue it even more because I was like, well, hey, you know, I got somebody on the inside that can tell me, you know, the, the, the good and the, you know, the bad of, you know, every situation and how to, you know, how, how you go about things and, you know, different things of that nature. Yeah. And if he's working in Jersey city, he's, he's seen a lot of shit. Yeah, for yes, sure. Absolutely. So you get down there to, you're like, I'm going to give it a shot down there. You mm-hmm. get down to Oxford. And when did you get hired? Um, I got hired in 2018, but before that, it was a long process, man. I, 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 I probably spent, I want to say, up in Jersey when I first started, probably was 20, maybe 20 or 21. And um, I don't know, I probably spent, man, probably close to maybe about $10,000 just traveling, like, up and down the East Coast. I would apply for Virginia. Um, uh, I went to New York. I was about to get hired there, but I said no. Um, mm-hmm. I went to uh, Maryland. Uh, was about to go to Georgia, North, uh, different spots in North Carolina, um, because up in Jersey, you know, as you know, like you said, you test, you know, in all these places and, you know, you got to get picked in, in an order. You know what I mean? So if your name, you can score a 90, you know, or 95. But if it's a lot of people with uh, um, my last name is Allen. So if it's a lot of people with AA or AB, you know, then they're going from that list. So you could get a high score and never get picked. So I was trying for about 10 years just to get hired. And then I, um, my cousin who was an officer in Oxford, he said, Hey man, you know, we're hiring like a lot, you know, we need some officers. So why don't you apply? So I applied in, um, 2018 and within a few months it was between either Oxford or Durham. And I called the Lieutenant at the time and told him like, Hey, you know, um, uh, Durham is saying that they're going to pick me up within like a few days. So I need to know something. And he said, well, give me a few minutes. And I think within maybe 10 or 15 minutes, he called me back and was like, well, look, you know, you did everything, went through the process, um, came down here, did, did everything. So, you know, we're going to hire you. So I got hired in 2018 and turned down, uh, Durham. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I've been there, man. I, I tested for years and yeah. You show up at a place and there's 4,000 people yeah, trying out. Absolutely. And the difference between a 92 and a 95 on your yeah. test is like 60 places. Yeah, exactly. And that's just I mean, tough. Compared now to like Texas, like departments in central Texas, which I won't name, or in northern Texas are flying to California and being like, yo, and they're holding up a piece of paper saying, look what you can get for 400 grand in Texas. Oof. And this is what you're going to make. And they're like, what? And they're like, plus we'll give you a signing bonus. And dudes from California are like, Peace. Deuces. Later. <laughs> and, and they're like, and you can still arrest people in Texas. <laughs> so they still arrest people in California. I'm giving them shit. Like, I mean, at the HRD in California, like we had some really nice teams there and mm. they put, we had some teams from Huntington Beach there. We had some, we had a female handler with a really nice arm from Sunnyvale, California. And she actually emailed me um, right after the seminar. We did a version of fuck it, Stellan. 
And uh, she's like, yo, it's weird that we did this because like the next night they had a DV where they chased a dude into an apartment complex with a gun and the dog smoked him. And she's like, Uh and we added something to that, Eric. We added a deal where uh, we had Marty, shout out to Marty, from South San Francisco PD Mm -hmm. uh, act act as their lieutenant and give them a debrief on it. And we recorded it like... Ask him case law. Ask him why did you bite him? Oh, Just nice. the facts, and then we showed him video of them oh. doing their of the bite, and they were like, "What the fuck?" So <laughs> they still bite people in California. I'm just giving a shit. <laughs> oh yeah, they do a good job. But <laughs> I did make, have, yeah, I did make a lot of rich on to dispel joke. all those rumors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, we'll have, we should have Rich and Marty on. <laughs> yeah, that'll be pretty good. So you get down there, you get on the road. Uh, what do you think when you start? What are you thinking? Um. Man, I mean, when I first started, you know, as as any gun hole officer, you know, you're trying to get into everything. So I'm out there trying to, you know, do my best and, you know, write as many tickets, you know, because a lot of people think that North Carolina, you know, oh, you, you got a quota, you know, to meet and this, that, and the third. But no, you know, there's no quota. And, you know, I'm just out there trying to, you know, get in the cars and, you know, just become the best officer, you know, that I can be for the department. And um, I wind up, you know, getting some um getting some lifesaver awards um within my second year of becoming an officer i got my first one um stopping a stopping a guy from actually um killing himself with a a broken glass bottle up to his neck um i stopped him from i was able to talk him down and uh, my sergeant when he arrived um we would tase him and you know we were able to subdue him and get him um some help at the hospital and then probably not even nine months after that i received my second one um, for actually uh, kicking down a door and bear crawling to a lady in a burning house and dragging her out. So um, I received my second one for that. Yeah, it's funny. For the, um, So when I was in my rookie year in 1996, um, me and a few other guys were awarded the Medal, Medal of Valor for our mm. department. And it was for a fire, pulling, getting a bunch of people out of a fire. We saved like 12 people and a cat. Wow. Um, but back then at the time, cause my department, my whole career was really shitty with awards. Like mm. supervision didn't give a shit. And if mm. we were trying to help morale and as yeah. a union, we were trying to like, man, why don't you give this guy? And they're like, yeah, yep. it's just fucking handle your calls. Yep. Yep. Um, but back then the only way you could get the medal of valor, it seemed was fires, mm. rescuing people from fires. Wow. Um, I, uh, I remember that I didn't. Like it was the place was fully, you know, on fire and everything. Um, mm. The electrical wires are going crazy. That was it was interesting. Um, there was. Uh, I wonder if they told the firefighters the same thing. Like every time they went and did their job, <laughs> yeah. they pulled somebody out of a fire. They're like, oh, "Don't worry about it. Just do your fucking job." Yeah. <laughs> they're like, "Well, the cop did it, and he got a medal." Oh yeah. man. Ooh. We just oh. aren't, cops, cops aren't trained for that though. But yeah, we had yeah. we had supervision yeah. that were giving themselves, you know, awards and not giving it to the patrolmen and fuck wow. them. And yeah, it's it's my whole career was like that. The, the fuck do admins need words for? Yeah, I yeah. got um, I got I was in a I was in a what couple shootings at my department Jesus. and at the after the second one, which was on a SWAT raid at the SWAT Christmas party, which was my final because I had was just leaving the team uh the captain or or he's the chief but he was captain on my last shooting or chief i can't remember Mm -hmm. i got these two combat combat award it's this big ribbon with a star because there was two of them and he Mm -hmm. handed it to me and he whispered and he goes is that okay 
or something like that. It's something oh. really shitty. Is this the same? Is this oh. the same dude that like they left you with your gun after a shooting, and then when you handed it to him, you told him you cleaned it, and he freaked out? Well, same era. Oh, but, uh, Jesus, that was a captain that I did that to. Jesus, yeah, I I shot the dude. I shot the dude with my M4, and me and the union president and my attorney are sitting in an interview room at the or actually a conference room in the detective bureau, and like for an hour or two hours with the rifle that I shot the guy with. Wow. They came, they come in and they're like, we should, uh, we got to take your rifle. I go, perfect. I just cleaned it. And he's like freaking <laughs> out. <laughs> I, and I'm like, captain, you guys, we, we shoot, you know, it's not, we shoot a couple people a year there in Canton, one or two, a couple, sometimes oh. more, sometimes less. And oh, it's like, man. act like you've been here. I mean, yeah. why isn't the standard? So I go to leave at the end and they, um, Ooh. He goes, hey, I got to take your pistol. And I said, why? Well, I, I didn't shoot it. And he goes, I that's I know, but we're going to go ahead and test it anyways. I'm like, that's fine. I just reloaded it, and I handed it back to him. And he's like, stop doing that. I'm like, fucking pull your head out of your ass, dude. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Fucking Dave. Oof. Um, so you get going. Uh, let's talk about when you got uh, picked into K-9. Um, I actually got picked into K-9, I want to say, Last year, actually, um, my incident month in May would have made an actual full year. So, um, okay. my my police department, I mean, they they went through the process to see, you know, um, I guess who wanted the canine, and I basically was the, I don't want to say the only one, but I basically was the only one who kind of put my hat in there because, I mean, put my name in a hat because, um, I always trained as a decoy with the uh previous canine um handler Cor corporal murphy so i was always hanging around him and kind of you know making the dog mad hitting on a you know hitting on a truck and trying to see you know what uh what i could do to kind of get him riled up um and just kind of you know play with him and try to get used to it um and i mean i didn't plan on becoming a canine handler but once i started hanging around him and becoming a decoy and seeing how he reacts to walking around cars and everything. I was like, Hey man, you know what? I mean, I live in the country. I, I, I kind of, I, I got some space for a dog. So I might as well, you know, go into it and I've developed a passion for it. So your dog is, uh, tell us about your dog. Um, my dog is a German shepherd. His name is Halligan. Um, he's pretty, pretty big. Uh, I'm trying to trim him down now, you know, while I'm out, um, to kind of slim them up and, you know, I'm working on some agility training, you know, and everything with them. What now? I, I can't remember from the first time we talked was, are you his second handler? No, I'm his, no. his third handler, actually. Third. Okay. Third. Yeah. So how old is he now? Um, I believe he is about five years old. So going on like six. Two or three, three going on four when you get him. Yeah. Yeah. Something just like about. that. Just about right. about three, yeah. So, what was like that beginning training? Like, where did you guys do your training at? Like your initial? Um, the initial training that I had to go through um was with the guy for the uh, Granville County Sheriff's Office. Um, I believe at a, actually he gave us Halligan. I want to say he sold sold him to us, and um he certified like in the whole instructor thing. And um I had to go through training in about four months. Um, Halligan already kind of knew everything. So I had to get used to him and training myself and learning, you know, how he, um, reacts to certain things instead of, you know, kind of overlooking it. So I had to go through training for about four months with him. 
So he's dual purpose. Yes, he's he's dual purpose in everything. Nar- narcotics and and bite work. Yep. Yes, sir. How, how does he do in the bite work? Does he like it? Um. Yeah. I th- I think I think I have to work on more training with him. He's 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 okay at the bite work. Um. If I could get some people, man, you know, like you guys, if you guys was up here, you know, doing something, if I can get some more training with the bite work and outing, um, I think that that would be great. But he's, he, he's, he's, he's pretty good, but I think he could be better. I want to work on more, you know, bite work, you know, with him. Do you know how far from Shelby, North Carolina you are by any chance? Uh, not necessarily. May, maybe about an hour and a half, two hours, maybe. That's not bad. We have a good friend, Howard Young, over there, and Howard uh, owns a company called Whitebeard Canine. Okay. I'm actually going there in October to teach my e-collar and out class and all that other stuff. But Okay. Howard's Shelby. a good decoy. He's got, he does a lot of really good work with, uh, with bite dogs. He has a, a podcast called Working Dog Depot. Okay. And uh, if you listen to him on there, you'll get to know who he is. And he's been on this podcast a couple of times. He's really I good. Think you're like, I think you're like two hours from there. Two hours. Yeah. Two, two and a half hours. It's yeah. showing, That's not bad. It's showing me three hours and 17 minutes. Oh. Yeah. From yeah. this well, from this location. Huh. And well, I'm about 10 sure. minutes. I'm about yeah. 10 minutes from here. Yeah. Make it, make a, uh, make a day of it. So. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Howard's a good dude. He's real good at building dogs like that. He might be able to help you. Okay. Um, so, anyways, you're working with him. Things are going good. You have him for about a year. Mm-hmm. Is he getting some dope? Yeah, yeah. He's he's getting. Um, I would say I probably. <clears throat> a lot of people say that I did the most, you know, work with him. Like as far as getting, you know, dope and guns, and you know, just working my way into a vehicle. So, um, yeah, he's he's doing pretty good. He he was doing pretty good. Um, when we were on the street, you know, making everything happen. So, I, I yeah, I would say. He was getting a lot of stuff. Uh, you guys got highways here? I can't remember. Yes, we 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 run into a highway. Um, um, I believe is eighty five. Eighty five. Yeah, that's um, yeah. I was on eighty five. There's probably a lot of dope comes on there. Yeah, it does. What? What do you, dope wise? What do you see? You got? Uh, is it cartel dope? Is it coming out of Charlotte? Where, what's going on? Yeah, it's coming. Um, if you're on 85, you get a lot of stuff. Um, it's, I mean, the the county themselves, you know, come across a lot of stuff. I mean, it could come from New York. It could come from Miami. You know, it's a lot of stuff that pass through, you know, on the interstate. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Hmm. All right. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take our first break here for a second. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to pick the conversation up. Don't fast forward through the commercials. Uh, we have some new sponsors, a uh, new one mainly, um, and some of the old ones that have stayed on. So stay with us. Uh, we'll be back in just a second. One of the longtime sponsors of the show is Dogtra. Eric and I are actually both field staff guys. So uh, Dogtra has been committed for over 20 years to crafting training calls to perfect precise fit and finish and intuitive design and, account- and accountable performance. The 1900 SE collar demonstrates what they strive for, which is an ultimate dog training tool that is durable, dependable, and designed for the most demanding conditions. And I actually use this thing at the kennel. They have the new black one that has the lock and the boost feature on it as well, as well as the hands-free, which we use a ton. If you guys follow me on social media, you see that I use that during tracking. We do that negative reinforcement trick, which is what is the collar that we're using. The other thing is the YS600. So funny fact, this stands for Yo, Shut Up. 
the number of times <laughs> that you won't have to say it because it works every time. So use the discount code WDR10 for 10% off any single item over 200 bucks. And of course, they also have the popper and the dropper, which I think I have five of that can I use all the time. So hit them up, dogtra.com, WDR10 for 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. All right, we are back from commercial break. It's a good thing. I had to run downstairs. Uh, my dog had his head stuck in the toilet, so that's fun. It's <laughs> uh, a long story. Uh, for those listening, my old ass, like retired dog, is uh, he's getting dementia, I think, but he uh, he was trying to get a drink, and apparently left the bathroom door open, and he's had his head stuck in the toilet. He was barking, so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we are back. Uh, <laughs> we are back. <laughs> Um, with, uh, with officer Daniel Allen, uh, from Oxford, North Carolina. Um, and we're going to start, we were just talking about Halligan and, uh, you spent four months in school. Um, and yes, you guys sir. caught a lot of dope, you guys caught a lot of dope on 85 and, um, do you guys have any successful tracks, um, or get asked to do a lot of tracks? Our guys get asked to do a ton of like evidence recovery mm-hmm. and tracks and a lot of uh, mutual aid calls. So, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we've gotten to do. Um, some tracks as far as, um, you know, when I was able to, you know, if I was on a job or if, um, somebody else was working, you know, I might assist them, um, assist the county or anything that they need or, or another agency, like you said, mutual aid. So we've gotten a few, um, successful, you know, tracks. So May 5th. Now this is, this is the thing we're going to talk about the incident. We're going to deep dive into the incident that we're here to talk about. Okay. This just happened, man. Like a mm-hmm. few months ago. And, yes, and it just still irritates Ted and I both that it's not was not really publicized. Um, Scott told me it wasn't even made that big of a deal down there locally. Yeah, and, yeah, and it, it's it, it's absolutely ridiculous that this didn't make bigger news. So um, might as well. I'm just going to have you start from finish. You know, start to finish, and we'll okay. Ted and I'll ask you some questions in there. But let's deep dive this uh, this shift on May fifth. Okay. Um, May 5th, it was approximately, I want to say maybe, maybe about 618, 619. Um, our shift ends at seven o'clock. So by the time, you know, I was doing that, I went to go get some ice cream. I was sitting around the corner from the actual, um, place, uh, where it happened at. And, um, one of the guys, the kids, um, the owner's son actually came over to my Tahoe and was like, Hey man, you want some ice cream? You know, you sitting here, you know, let's, you know, you know, chat up a little bit. So I said, yeah, he he went to go get me the ice cream. I'm sitting there. Um, and while we're talking, I'm like, well, you know what, man, it's, it's getting kind of late. I got to kind of go to the PD and um, check over these reports and, you know, do the ones that I have. So I told him, I'll see him later. I drive off and I'm going down um, this street called college street. And um, by the time I take a bite of the actual ice cream, they dropped the tones and um, said, you know, all city and county units, please respond to uh, Prospect Avenue. Um, you know, there's a disturbance. A man, I, I believe, if I'm correct, he was um, banging on the neighbor's door with a hammer or, or some some sort. So um, I activate my blue lights and my sirens, turn around in the street, um, go back to it. Uh, my mind was telling me to go up to. Um, one way of the street so that my passenger side was facing the, um, the suspect's house. So I go up and um, at the time I got kind of like this eerie feeling. It was just real quiet. Like everything just kind of zoomed, you know, zoned out. And I started going past the, the suspect's house and um, there was a lady waving for me to come up there to the neighbor's house. So instead of me going to 
that's that that lady's actual house. I went to the caller's house who was right next door. She was standing in front of a glass door um, waiting for me. So I pull up and um, I park my Tahoe. I put it in park. I look back at my dog and I don't know. I usually don't do this, but I look back at my dog and um, I kind of put it in uh, park. I got out, shut the door and Tom just kind of froze. Um, by the time my foot, my 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 right foot hit the driver's side tire for me to turn around um the Tahoe, all I heard was do 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 just rapid AK it was like AK forty seven AR fifteen oh. round something. So I hear that and automatically I can't run back and get my AR fifteen. I can't pull my gun because at the time I don't really know where it's coming from. So um I start running across the street and um now that I actually think about it, it was a lady videoing on on Facebook Live, so she caught the whole thing. So holy shit! Yeah, what so, the fuck? Yeah, she's on Facebook Live, and all you see is my Tahoe just kind of passing by, and it, it kind of aggravated me because I had just gotten my Tahoe tinted, and I mean that thing <laughs> was looking good, man. I had five percent all around, thirty five on the windshield, and that thing was looking clean. And I'm like, all right, well, you know what? I'm gonna just go talk to this guy, and you know. See, see just what's wrong with it you know can we kind of resolve this situation so um by that time you know like i said i just hear do 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 so the lady who's recording um she actually congratulated me and, and she actually thanked me because uh i didn't know it but in that moment of me kind of just looking to see where it comes from and then running real quick um she said that i kind of took the attention off of them because he was shooting at their house first and that's where the firepower was coming from, and I didn't know it. So she said, if it wasn't for me running, taking the attention off of them, they would have died. And I mean, I can uh, I can attest to that because it was a whole bunch of bullet holes in their house. Um, and when he saw me, he he just started he stopped and started tracking me where I was going, everywhere I was going. He kind of I, I I was running, and he just started tracking me to the to that house where I was. So I ran to the third house. He started at the first house, saw me, started shooting at the first house, all the way to the second house, all the way to the third house. So as he's shooting, I'm just running. I'm just making myself so small, like, please don't hit me in the head. Please don't hit me in the head. Please don't hit me in the chest. Please don't hit me in the chest. And um, come to find out the bullet, the bullets that he was using, the ammo that he was using was green tips. So it was like, it was no way, you know, it, it, whatever he would have shot me in the chest or whatever it would have went through. And, you know, who knows, I would have probably just dropped dead right then and there. But I'm running and I get to the corner of the house and I'm like, OK, yes, I just hit this corner and make that left and I'm good. By the time I thought that um, the ant, he, he shot right through the siding of the house and it hit me right in the, in the back. I didn't know where in the back, but I immediately dropped to the ground. I felt this hot sensation just kind of coming over my legs. And I had to actually look to the back as I was bear crawling to see if my leg was attached to me. Um, it was just this hot feeling and numb feeling. I thought like, man, this guy done chopped my leg off somehow with a 50 cal or something. My leg is gone. <laughs> and I looked to the back and um, I just I just felt like a handful of blood. I looked at my hand, it was nothing but blood. Um, I started bear crawling, bear crawling to, to the, um, the separation between the house. It was like um, a fence and like these big Christmas trees, kind of like pine trees. I bear crawled through there. I still got the marks on my arms um, from crawling through the sticky briars. And I think I know for sure I went through some ant, some red ant hills because I felt stuff biting me as I was crawling through. 
So I'm crawl so I'm crawling through and um I just kind of I just kind of like feel still feeling this hot sensation and I'm thinking like man like I'm I I'm going to die like right here behind this house or right here where I was. So I started climbing up the gate to see if I can walk and I immediately dropped back down. My my whole bottom half is numb. Um it feels like I'm carrying like 300 pounds on my hips. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to just crawl to the back of the house and try to get behind, you know, some trees, some sheds, some something. And as I'm crawling, I make myself small again to get up under this um this little uh tree that was like kind of hanging through hanging over through the ground. So I crawl up underneath there. I'm losing my dagger, my my baton, my light and everything. So I'm just still going, still going. And um I get behind this big oak tree and um I'm kind of I hear I hear Central on the radio calling for me and my partner's calling um because actually and I didn't I, I I didn't say this but um at the time my partner she was coming up behind me um and he started shooting at her she was able to back all the way down to the end of the street and as she got out um one of the bullets hit her went through the windshield shattered the windshield and hit the headrest of her vehicle so she was able to get out in um in a nick of time. And I just hear her, you know, screaming, 190, are you 10 190, are you 10 And I hear Central calling for me. But at the time, I'm going in and out. I'm just like, <laughs> and I'm just kind of, I'm losing it. You can see on my body cam, I'm just kind of slouching down, going down, and kind of coming back up. And I'm, in my mind, I'm saying I'm 10 but I'm actually not saying nothing at all. So I get behind the oak tree, and I'm able to say, um, this 190 Central, I need help. I need help. And then um, I hear, you know, all the other officers and the detectives on the radio asking, you know, where are you? Where are you? And I'm able to say, you know, um, um, I'm across the street from my Tahoe in the back of that house. So they were able to kind of get an idea of where I was because they were going behind the suspect's house. They were going behind other houses just to find me because I wasn't answering. They just wanted to locate my body or something. And um, as I'm doing that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm telling them where I'm at and I finally just lose all my energy and lay on the ground. And um, um, I got an Apple watch and I'm saying, you know, like, hey, Siri, you know, call my wife. Hey, Siri, call my wife. And my my watch is not connecting to my phone because my phone is in the car shot up. And um, I didn't realize that. So I'm still trying to call my wife, still trying to call my wife. So that's not, you know, happening. And um, I just kind of lay on the ground and I look up and I see this star just not moving. And um, I'm thinking it was a maybe an airplane or something, but it wasn't moving. So I knew for a fact it was a star. And I kind of re- I kind of reach up to the like like I could grab it. And um, as I'm like kind of grabbing it, um, the guys, uh, one of the guys from the sheriff's office comes and um, he's looking for me. And I see him with the AR and I'm, I just gather the last strength that I could, you know, yell. And I'm like, help, I'm over here. So he was about to turn around and go back. But once he heard that, he turned around and on the radio, he said, I've located 190. I've got 190. So him, my sergeant and one of my other officers, they come running over there, you know, with the ARs trying to, you know, see if the guy, you know, scan and see if the guy's over there. And, um, you know, they, they come to me. I'm laying on my back. Um, my officer grabs my hand. and He's like, you're going to be all right, bro. You're going to be all right, man. You're going to be all right, man. And I'm telling my sergeant, I'm like, Sarge, you got to check and see if my dog is okay. Sarge, you know, you got to. You got to call my wife. You got to call my wife. And he's like, he's like this big country guy. So he was like, yeah, all right, buddy. All right, buddy. We going we going we to get you. You know, we going to call him. But, you know, we got to make sure you all right first. We got to get out of this line of fire, buddy. 
So I'm just like, okay, Sarge, okay. You know, so he's just like, are you able to move? Are you able to, you know, get up? And I'm like, Sarge, I can't move. <sighs> I can't move. You know, and I'm at this time, I'm like really not even able to talk at the time. So um, my officer, uh, Officer Oakley, he says, well, Sarge, I can go back and get my car because the ambulance is stuck at this um, the, the, kind of like this, this school building um, where they fix, not the school building, but the school um, bus yard and it's fenced in and they're telling them to ram the fence and just come through just come through and get some help but there's another fence that's blocking that you know it's no it's no like in or out you know it's just a regular like tall fence metal fence so they would have to get some some cutters you know in order to actually cut and get me through but that that you know that took too much time so he said well if you're able to go get it okay just be safe and come back so my um so Officer Oakley he runs and go gets his vehicle and um they drag me and I'm probably the most I weighed at the time was 240 245 and um at that moment with all my gear to them I probably weighed about 300 pounds because they they couldn't even drag me and when they did they were so like out of breath and so tired um so I he find Officer Oakley finally comes and brings the car around and they drag me and put like kind of pull all the strength they had pulls me up puts me in the back. Um, the back seat is filled with blood. Um, and he, I'm just like, yo, just go, 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 just take, you know, get me to the hospital, which is right across the street. Not even, not even 15 seconds, you know, across the street. So he, they shut the door, get me all the way to the hospital. Um, we get to the uh, emergency entrance and as I'm getting out the car, you know, I just see everybody running out and he, and you know, officer Oakley's like, he's been shot. He's been shot. You know, let's go, let's go. So they get me on the, um, on the table in a, um, trauma unit. And um, take all my stuff off, cut all my stuff, um, and they find that I'm hit right um, below the hip, right where my like my right butt cheek starts. That's what is like right below the hip. So I get hit through there, and they see it's no exit wound, you know, no exit. Um, so 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 they just you know, well, it's enlarged in there. So um, they they kind of stabilized me, got it, got me you know ready for um to be life lighted, and um once they said you know. I'm going to be lifelighted. They kind of patched me up and everything just to kind of make sure I was good. And um, they lifelighted me to Duke Hospital where I, um, they kind of stabilized me even more, took the x-rays, told me where I was, you know, hit at, told me what was wrong, told me that basically my hip was shattered and um, some of my pelvic bone was as well. So um, that happened on the 5th. They operated on me on the 8th and um, stabilized me and everything. Um to the end of it all, um, the guy killed himself. They told me that he wound up killing himself. Um, they wind up my Tahoe wound up being shot up eighteen times. Um, my dog wound up being shot between two to four times. Um, I wound up being, um, of course, you know, shot as well one time. And um, they had to take it was fifty six fifty six staples that they had to take out. Um, and it kind of like filleted me open on my, on my left thigh because the bullet is stuck in my left thigh and it's a, it's a dark spot where I know that the bullet is at. Um, I don't feel it. Um, but when I press down really hard, I do feel pain. Um, and like I said, they had to kind of fillet me open, um, get all the fragments out. The bullet is still stuck in there. Some of the fragments are still stuck in there, but they said, if it's not bothering me to a point where I'm, you know, going to die or anything, they're going to leave it until it bothers me or, or until it like pushes out itself. And, um, ever since then, you know, I've been on the road to healing. 
There's a lot to unpack there. That, Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, that's fucking wild. Yeah. So ba- now we're going to go hindsight here, what we know. Okay. Um, what was happening in that house with that dude? What did you guys learn? You were telling us the first time that the house was bare and he just yeah. was set up in a sniper's nest. Yeah. Um. When I first, we first got a call there 30 minutes before this happened. Um, I started walking around the house along with my sergeant and one of my other officers, Officer Elliot, um, started walking around the house and it was nothing but the stud, like the studs in the house. Like if I walk up to the house and I look in, I can see straight through the back, like everything. It was no walls whatsoever. The only thing that had walls was his bedroom. Um, and as I was walking around, you know, I heard like something like a dryer or something kind of going off, like he was washing clothes, but I couldn't look into that room. My sergeant was right there at his room on the side, at the side door. So at any given moment, he could have picked us off, you know, right then and there, all three of us, um, because we had no cover or anything. But I think um, that at that moment, he was inside loading up, you know, getting it or, or getting his thoughts ready. Like, OK, well, if they come back here, I'm, I'm going to kill everybody, you know, I can and then just take myself out. Um, I think after he probably saw me drop on the ground. He knew that it probably was no way he was going to come out of there alive. And um, he basically locked himself, I guess, in a room. Um, well, no, I can't say that because they, when they went in, he was at the door of the room um, at the entrance, slouched down on the floor, you know, with, with a handgun in his hand and um, uh, like a mason jar full of moonshine, I guess, or some substance that was sitting next to him. So he kind of took himself out of here. Did um how much ammo like what what did it look like in there um from my knowledge if i'm correct um almost like long rectangle um long rectangle tables like you would see at church um he had like i want to say about 13,000 rounds of ammo if i'm correct and multiple guns that could fit like on a table so if he wanted to like go to war at any time um yeah he could have he could have you know he could have really brought you know, the rain. So as this is all going on, um, the initial, the initial hits on you happened, like as you're coming around the cruiser, right? So mm-hmm. the cruiser takes rounds. And at the time you're not sure what's happened to Halligan. Right. 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 So how long was he in the car prior to somebody doing something about it? I believe that it was a few hours that um, Halligan was in a car. Um, I don't know the exact time, but I think they were there from 7 o'clock all the way till 3 o'clock in the morning that next day. And um, Halligan was in the car because they had the Bearcats coming out. They had three Bearcats come out. Um, they had uh, Highway Patrol, the county, different other agencies out there. So I guess they were trying to establish some sort of um, connection. Um, with that guy who, you know, took himself out, um, I think that they were trying to, you know, trying to get to him, but they didn't know that he was dead. So they were trying to come up with a plan. But um, Halligan was in a car for a few hours. So it, it was the potential of – he had the potential of dying in that car because we didn't know how he was. But they did take a drone, um, I want to say maybe about an hour or two after that maybe, and um, they got the drone next to his window. Luckily, I had the window down. I cracked it a little bit. Um, and they were able, when they got the drone down to his level, he started going crazy in the, in the Tahoe, shaking it back and forth. So they knew that, you know, he was still alive in somewhat 
still in good shape. Yeah, they. I, I think I remember hearing the story where mm-hmm. he they flew the drone in. Yeah, and the dog went ape shit in the back of the car. And they're yeah. like, oh, <laughs> so what was the what was the process at that point? Because at that point, I mean, at the at, at that point, they hadn't determined that this guy had already mm-hmm. offed himself, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, what was the plan to get the dog out of the car? Um, well, they didn't know that I had the the button. Um, after they took my pants off and everything at the hospital. The release button was on my belt. Um, they didn't know about that, but um, after a certain time, they were able to like to get some units up there, um, open the door. And one of the officers that worked with uh, Durham PD, Durham County Correction, um, he was a canine handler. He was able to actually get Halligan out without him biting him, um, and actually take control, you know, of of the of him, and bring him with him. So the rounds he got shot with, um, did, what? What uh, damage did it do internally to him? Um, they don't know if it was uh, AK-47 or AR or 22, because the guy, I guess, kept switching up um, guns. But um, he got shot between two to four times. They don't really know. But um, they did have to perform emergency surgery on him, and he actually had to have his uh, spleen removed and uh, part of his liver. Oh, Pierce's liver, man. And the fact mm-hmm. that he survived that's pretty tough. Yeah. 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 That's pretty good. Cause he's imagine that he's just sitting in the car. What's going on? Yeah. Bah, 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 bah. yeah. All hell breaks loose. Yeah. Have, um, well, we'll ask it. The, we'll ask in the last section, uh, my question, but so when did you find out that he was alive? I found out when, when I was in a hospital, actually, um, when I was in Duke, actually, um, they had, you know, kind of stabilized me and everything, put me in a trauma room. Um, and then I, I believe, I want to say either um, the chief or the captain actually told me, you know, that they were, you know, taking them to the, um, you know, the vet, and the emergency vet and everything. And um, I believe either her, either one one of them two or either um, Detective Carson um, actually uh, told me that he was, you know, stable. And he was going to be staying with, you know, Carson um, for the remainder of the time until I got better and was able to take care of him. Ted, uh, while we're while we're talking, will you look up uh, when we posted that on how far back on Working Dog Radio that we can show that picture of that uh, the kennel? It was an American aluminum insert inside the uh, yeah. back of the Tahoe. And if you guys go and Ted will give you the how far back to look, it's crazy to see what that did. But mm-hmm. the deflections of some of those rounds off of the off of the kennel probably saved him or right. could have caused some of the hit you never know but it it was definitely a shit show in the back right. of that car all right uh, we posted it on july 26th okay um and we posted a picture of when you met him and uh when you met him in uh north carolina or south carolina sorry north carolina and, north carolina and then it, we've got pictures of the patrol vehicle in there it's like one of the rounds went through one of the bars in the mm-hmm. center divider through one went through the the b pillar uh the tires flat mm-hmm. like the back window is shattered it was hilarious listening to you tell the story she's like man i just got a tenant and i'm like bro you got right. fucking shot at yeah me. yeah <laughs> I'm like, you got fucking shot man yeah, like, shit was looking good <laughs> i'm like bro you got shot yeah, and you're like I was pissed off. I'm fucking ruined my tent, and I'm like, I'm listening to the story. I'm like, God damn. Yeah, right. but yeah. no, it was. Uh, if you go back, it's on July 26th, and the cover photo is um, you guys sitting together. Uh, I assume it's Scott's place, right? 
Yeah, yeah, we yeah, were okay. at his doggy daycare yeah. and just sitting in there. And, yeah. and I, uh, I, I kind of asked him a few questions. I didn't want to get too deep into the story because I wanted uh, for to be on air here. Uh, but if you go back and look, you can see me talking to him, and he's got a walker, and we're going to get into that um, yeah. here in a probably, minute where we're at. Yeah, probably say probably after a commercial break is probably yeah. the best time. We're going to go it. ahead and take our next commercial break. When we get back, we're going to look at uh, we're going to talk about uh, where we're at, where we're headed, the kind of the um, fallout of some of this stuff that happened. Um, again, it just chaps my ass that it wasn't you know a bigger story because it sounds like it's absolute hell when when were you the first oxford officer ever shot i believe so i think yeah. i think i am i think i am well, hopefully you're the last yeah. um yeah hopefully it doesn't happen again all right anyways all right. we're going to take a break uh and we'll be right back stand by it's no secret that I love my ALM suit from Arnaud out at ALM Canine Equipment in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. I've had that thing forever. Eric affectionately refers to it as my Carhartt suit because it's so thin. <laughs> uh, I've had multiple sleeves put back on it, send it back to Arnaud. He fixes me up every single time. The fit and finish is top notch. And it fits me like a glove. I refuse to go anywhere without it. I work sport dogs and PSA without it. I just did a trial in California wore that thing. I work police dogs pretty much every day of the week, and then I will use it for personal protection dogs as well. So hit ALM Canine Equipment up on Instagram and Facebook, and then go to ALM Canine, letter K number nine, equipment.com, and use the discount code WD Radio for 10% off of your first order. And this is completely custom. So made to measure, pick your colors, whatever you want to do. Arno will work with you. You can make it as thin or as thick as you want, but hit them up. AOM Canine Equipment. Ever dreamed of having your own kennel but don't know where to start? Horizon Structures has taken all of the guesswork out of building a kennel. Everything is pre built to your specifications and preferences and then assembled and dropped off on your land. Boom, new kennel. Hooked up to your electric, hooked up to your water, put dogs in it that day. And those things are amazing. You've got to see them to truly believe them. Get on the website, horizonstructures.com. You can custom build. You can buy one that's already built. Go off of their design. Come up with your own design. They'll work with you. Uh, they always are running discounts on the website with ready-to-go kennels. The kennels are already ready to go. There's always discounts. Horizonstructures.com. Check them out. All right, everybody. We are back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. You just listened to a wild-ass story from our guest, uh, Corporal Daniel Allen, down wild. in Oxford, North Carolina. Wild is like I. You're good at describing it. Like, uh, kind of felt like we were right, right in there, with the exception of getting shot. We didn't yeah. have that part. So, yeah. Um. So when I met you, you have a walker. Mm -hmm. Currently, are you still using that? Or you got a cane? What are we doing? Um. Now I've been going to PT about twice a week. Um. And now I switch from the walker to a cane. And some okay. sometimes I can walk without the came but i still have that limp and still have that um pain surprisingly not a lot of pain in my hip but more so pain in my back left thigh my calf and um actually my foot which is like horrible i've heard that is it nerve damage i assume yes yeah, um it's nerve nerve aggravation they say because um it kind of shook it up a whole lot and they said if it would have been a centimeter just a centimeter to the left or to the right, I would have been paralyzed in that in that leg. Um, and if it would have been a centimeter up, then I would have had to use a bag for a, a long time. That's that's crazy, man. How that shit works. Yeah. And it it obviously ricocheted off the 
off the hip bone and yeah. stayed inside and yeah. um went through so they told you about a year you're looking at yeah they they said about um the road to recovery is probably about a year maybe maybe longer depending on me um and depending on my body as far as like uh mentally and and physically as well so it's just yeah about it about a year yeah so what are we four months seven may 5th mm-hmm. so september 5th would be mm-hmm. four months yeah yeah, yeah four, four months so it's like like we're the last couple of days of August right now. Yeah. So, yep. yeah. Physical therapists are amazing people, but sometimes they can seem to be sadists a yep. little bit. <laughs> yeah. Is it tough? How's that therapy going? Um, the therapy is is in the beginning it was rough because I you know I'm I'm learning I got to learn how to walk again, learn how to run. Um, I gotta be as far as like be strong um physically like picking up stuff or um squatting you know different different stuff um that has to do with like with the lower you know extremities so um that that was that was pretty pretty tough and I just started doing um the leg press because my leg was smaller than my right leg um so I'm just now um as of last week starting to do like the leg press and get my strength back um in my in my actual uh leg and, and my um hip well when you told me the that at the time of the incident you were 245 when i met you you're i thought you were about a buck 85 yeah where where are you at now um i'm about 210 now um i'm slowly starting to uh, my father actually dropped off some uh weights some curl like a curl bar and some weights so i'm, I'm about 210 um i'm slowly starting to get my appetite back because I mean, I wasn't eating nothing, man. I, I, I just didn't have an appetite. It would go, I would go maybe a a day or two and just eat once. Um, my appetite was gone. Um, I didn't feel like doing anything. I would just stay in the room and use the massage gun on my on my foot and my leg. And um, I just really kind of, I, I, I wasn't in a state. Yeah, I, I was just in a state of depression, man, because it was just like, why even try to do anything when I can't walk, when I can't run, um, I can't crawl, I can't, you know, really do anything, but, you know, just lay here. And it took my ther- my physical therapist um, to tell me like, hey, you know, resting is good, you know, it's going to get you, you know, better. And I was just such in a rush to try to, you know, try to do jumping jacks and, you know, mm-hmm. do all this other stuff and get on a treadmill so quick. And um, it took her telling me like, hey, man, you know, you're going to get back there. Don't rush get yourself um better than you were when before the incident so everybody that's listening to us is like uh what, what about the dog like you're cool and everything but what about the dog um what, let's talk about his recovery um his recovery actually is 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 way better within within about two weeks um halligan was back to normal um i mean it wasn't it, it wasn't too long before he was back you know growling after losing his after losing his spleen and his lip part yeah. of his liver yeah <laughs> he he's he's back to normal like i said within two weeks yeah he he was i mean he's shaking the cage and everything now probably as we speak barking and stuff <laughs> is uh who do you have him or is he with one of the other guys no i um i actually have him now if i if i have to go somewhere for an extended time um, I call up, you know, um, Detective Carson, and he'll take care of them. Or either um, some of the guys from um, the the county 
will like feed him and watch him until I get back. So he, yeah, he's at the house now. So have you, has he been in the back of another cruiser? No. Um, I haven't gotten him there because I want to see how he's going to do with, um, around gunfire. Um, I, matter of fact, I actually shot a, a, a AR-15 yesterday um, in the backyard, and I mean, he was pretty, he was pretty chill. He was pretty cool. He didn't, you know, run around or you know, look around and you know, go crazy. Um, he was walking back and forth to see, you know, what was going on and to make sure, you know, I was okay. But um, he's 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 done good. That was only two shots. I need to actually, you know, get him to a point where I can like just let off about thirty. 50, you know, uh, multiple shots and see how he does and make sure he doesn't, you know, go crazy um, while he's in the cruiser, do that. And while he's out, do the same. Yeah. You know, dogs learn everything through picture association. So uh, my advice would be just get him in and out of the car a bunch okay. and just to see because the last time he's inside this box in the back of the car, mm -hmm. uh, a, a lot of pain happened, a lot right. of freaking crazy shit. Okay. Now maybe he's forgot it. Maybe he hasn't. You'll you'll find out. You okay. Know, baby step that stuff though. Okay. Man. Okay. Yeah, dogs dogs are masters of association. So um obviously what you don't want him associating is being in the back of a patrol car with getting lit up. Okay. <laughs> so uh yeah, like Eric said, like baby steps and shit. Like I would start putting him in the back of the car, okay. feed him, like put the patrol car on running. Okay. And just like normal shit before because uh, it, we tell a story at HRD where, um, Eric had a tase a dude that he was biting. Um, well, he was biting somebody's grandma first, but anyway, <laughs> um, and, and the dog and Willie, it was Willie, right? It was Willie. Yeah. It was Willie. So was Willie, Willie, Willie took a ride on the taser. He crossed the line, he crossed the, the wires. And after that, for how long did he, like every time you arc tested near the car, he would fucking, it was, wow. a, it was a couple of weeks. Cause we had to arc yeah. test every day. So, yeah. okay. So, okay. Yeah. Just had to familiarize him with it a little bit. He was a apex predator, though. That dog, he didn't really mm. give a shit. He just got weird for a second there. But yeah, man. Okay. Just baby step that stuff for a while. You're not in a hurry, right? Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Um. So what? That's good. Um. My other question too is your off your backup, the a female officer who almost got killed. Mm -hmm. How's she doing, man? Um. Every time we speak, um, she's doing, she's doing pretty good. She's just trying to, you know, maintain and um, kind of come cope with everything. Um, I advise, you know, uh, her to kind of go to. Um, I suggested that she kind of go to, you know, like these seminars we have um, here, like for you know officers down or officers involved in critical incidents and everything like that. They have some seminars or or even talk to a therapist. But you know, talk to somebody because um i found out today that matter of fact her grandfather passed um this morning so i mean she's dealing with that as well so um i have to call and you know check on her um today but other as far as the incident yeah, she's taking it day by day yeah well if you talk to her tell her we wish her the best that's tough man yeah thank you um and there's no there's no shame in talking to people right on and you know get getting checked up so Here's the thing about some of you guys. Now, everybody in North Carolina is going to shake their head because they understand is that the guys that are cops in North Carolina don't make a ton of money. Like none of them, they're not getting rich right. from this, right? Relying on extra jobs, relying on overtime, things like that. So, so my man here is going to be off for like a year. Mm. So uh, a 
friend of the department? Is that who it is that started the GoFundMe? Actually, his um, his uh, his vet actually the the lady who oh. um helps with um giving them shots and everything like that. She started uh, Miss Pamela. Okay, that's awesome. They started GoFundMe to help try to offset some stuff, you know, help with uh, Corporal Allen and the stuff he's going through. Um, the uh, department has been super supportive. When we posted the original video, his chief jumped on there. Right. She, uh, it's, it's she, right? Yeah. What's her name? Uh, chief Ford. Ford, yeah. Great lady. Uh, it, it's just not something that I've experienced uh, mm-hmm. over the years, a big support like that from a chief of police. I'd love to see it. Right. Um, she's doing things right. So, we're gonna put the um, we're gonna put the link to the GoFundMe in the in the show notes, and we'll put it on our social media when this episode comes out. It'll be pretty soon. Okay. We have one one more ahead of this, and then this episode. So, thank you, um, dude. I I'm really glad I got to meet you. Um, and sounds to me like uh, you are a fighter, you know, and don't push it, but right, you know do what you can you know right. i hope i've talked to a lot of people that have that nerve pain down in their foot and they're mm-hmm. like this is the worst like yeah. the worst thing yeah yeah hopefully that'll subside for you because i know some people that have struggled with it for a while right. um it sounds to me like it may have been just a shock to your system right just rattled that whole shit right yeah 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 oh, man well we're glad you're alive man glad we got thank to you. meet you thank you, you know, definitely how, how many guys work at oxford pd uh, I want to say maybe 22 or 20, 22 to 25 now, maybe. Yeah, I really don't See, that's know. That's the thing. It's not just, you know, NYPD and LAPD and guys with two, 300, 400 guys in their department. It's a 22, 23 man department yeah. Yeah. that this shit happens to. Um, one last question of the guy who killed himself, the guy who shot you. Did you guys know him? Um, besides so- that one call? From from my knowledge, uh, I get I never had really came across him or came across you know any house on his street actually. Um, I never really you know met him. We never really got a a, a bunch of calls to my knowledge. Um, it it just happened that one day. Um, they said either it was three things: either a, um, they found out he had cancer; um, b, he found out he lost his job and had cancer. Or either see he got the wrong Amazon package and just lost it. Yeah. 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 So, okay. L- last question. What flavor ice cream were you eating when the call went out? Uh, cookie dough. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right. But it I'll melted. Give you that. It melted. Yeah. <laughs> see? Uh-huh. Fucked up Shit. your car, your new car, yep. and melted your ice cream. Yep. Yep. And then put around in your ass. That's yeah. terrible. <laughs> So, I think that's going to be the name of this episode, Melted Cookie Dough. Yeah. Okay. That's Fuck. crazy. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Shit, yeah. Jump right up oh. and bit me in the ass. Holy shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Ted, where can you be found? Uh, Ted underscore Summers on Instagram. Towards like K9, letter K number nine. Uh, that's all the police talk stuff. And then uh, same thing on facebook and uh yeah working underscore dog underscore radio and hrd police k9 letter k number nine on instagram and on facebook uh for all that stuff we just booked um huntington beach california uh for the second week of march um which is going to be good uh should be they have i think 11 or 14 dogs or something nice so yeah that's going to be good uh i guess we're using 
either their helicopter and their drones or mm. but i i'm not 100 percent certain but so if you're in the socal area in march we're going to be out there doing the uh hrd like breaking drywall and whatnot um uh seminar so yeah that's the first one of the year so for right now but yeah uh what about you Eric? cool uh van s canine uh on instagram is mostly where you'll find stuff um I got some of my e-collar without conflict seminars coming up, one in central Indiana, one down at yeah. Howard's place in oh. Shelby, North Carolina. Um, I'll let you know, uh, Daniel, when I'm going to be down there. So maybe, okay. yeah. you know, I'll, I could take a night and come up there. I'm going to be staying at okay. Howard's house with him hanging out. So um, it'd be Definitely. nice to catch up. Absolutely. Uh, I can't remember the dates. We're going to be putting the flyers out on, excuse me, on social media here pretty soon. Okay. Um, and then I'm open. If anybody wants me to come teach, e-collar without conflict where i fix all the conflict you have with your dog tell you all the stupid shit you're doing that's causing all the problems relayer the e-collar on your on your dog and then work on fixing your sticky out we had a kid um, come up to us at hits and told us that you saved his career yeah from utah utah mm, and yeah. he came to my place without his dog he came to utah from utah to, to ohio mm. but paid attention took notes like really was into watched every dog work and went home and fixed it because he was about done, like, if he failed one more certification, that dog the dog was out. And mm. was, the certification problem was the out, you know, the verbal out. Yeah, uh, Utah, which, Utah Post has a, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, universal problem in, in the country. Guys struggle with it, and uh, yep. it clouds their memory, clouds their brain the way they work. So, mm. anyways, uh, oh, also, workingdogradio.com is where you can buy our shirts and all our oh, merch. Oh, yeah, we have yes. the new, uh, yeah, the new probable cause <laughs> yeah we, we got <laughs> the new probable cause stickers and patches and yeah okay yeah we got <laughs> yeah, some, i forgot about that some stuff coming around keep checking in workingdogradio.com yeah. we got two new designs coming out for t-shirts one of which also um, will be made into a patch and probably some stickers yeah. um you guys will you'll like it it's pretty good um but anyways uh daniel i really appreciate you man glad we could yeah. get this done yeah Tell the tell the trooper who walked in what's up. <laughs> I got you, man. It's, it's definitely a pleasure, yeah. man, being on here with you guys, and it's a pleasure meeting you guys. I definitely looking, you know, look forward to working with you, Eric, man. If you can come yeah. up here and help me, you know, with Halligan, please do. Even you, Ted, if you wind up coming up here, anybody, you know, help me. Yeah, we'll, we'll be, get you help. I mean, yeah, we'll Thank get you. you help. I mean, between me and Eric and Howard, okay, and some of the teams around there. Okay. Well, yes, yeah, yeah. We know enough good decoys and things that can help you, you out. So thank you. We'll yeah. talk to some people before this comes out. But okay. by the time this comes out, you're you're going to get blown up. Okay. On it. Okay. Hey, thank what's you. a uh, what's your work email? Put your work email out there. So people can get a hold of you. Uh, the work email is d allen at oxford nc dot org. All right. Perfect. I want to. Yeah. You guys go. We'll put that in the show notes as well. So. All right, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Don't hang up yet.
got your reasons and I got my wants Still got that feeling but I'm too Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E, dot blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.